0: so good to see everyone here this morning. I know our, our numbers are a little down today. Actually, they're a, they're a lot down today. And uh, it's because it's Labor Day weekend, and so we have a ton of people who are traveling and doing some vacationing this weekend. But also we have 30 people, maybe a little over 30, that are in Orlando for a youth conference. I think Paul talked about that, and I I messaged my wife yesterday. She said, everything's going amazing. I talked to to Tari Jesus, who helped drive, I think, on day one, and she told me that two of our teenagers were baptized late last night. And so, yeah, that's... Super excited, and, and one of those being Therese and Steve's granddaughter, and so that's just super excited, and we've been praying about this event, and uh, if you will, just just be praying about their return. They're going to be coming home this afternoon, but I'm, I'm super excited for them. And uh, just super excited to be here today uh, to begin a new series entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons. Any, any of you had some of those days where, where life gave you lemons? But man, I love that last song that we sang, Because He Lives, right? Because of Jesus, even when life gives us lemon, we can have joy. And and really that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. We're, We're going to be looking at this little letter in the New Testament that was written to the church at Philippi, which we like to call the book of Philippians. And man, even though it was written a long time ago, it is so relevant for us today because Man, as you look around at our world, as you look around at our culture, man, people seem to be depressed, anxious, down, sad. I, I mean, I, I, there are several words we could, we could use there. And in, in fact, this morning, I always go uh, to um, a gas station on Sunday mornings to buy some coffee to kind of charge up. I'm up at 5 on on Sunday mornings and and so I go to a gas station to charge myself up and this morning man when I got to the gas station just, just right over here, the people who were working behind the counter man, they seemed so down. And, and I was doing everything I could, man, to cheer them up. Hey, guys, how are y'all? Man, good morning. And, and all this kind of stuff. I don't think they ever smiled. I mean, it, I, just, I felt so bad for them. They, they seemed so depressed. And I don't know if it's the work environment or, or what, but that just kind of seems to be the norm today. And, and I totally get it because, you know, you look at all the things that's happened over the past couple of years with the pandemic and political division and racial tension and, and all the stuff going on in, in all these different countries and rumors of wars and so forth. And then you take all that and you stack it on top of what's already going on in people's personal lives, right? You know, because you've got some people who have had relationships that have fallen apart. You've got some people who have all kinds of things going wrong at work or at school or at home. You've got people with financial challenges these days because it seems like, man, everything costs more and more money. And I hear people talk about that. You know, we're just, we're struggling. Things are so expensive today. And then, you know, it seems like health issues have have elevated and, and there's all these things, and it's like, man, I, I get it. People are, people are down, but people want happiness. In fact, I think at times we, we chase after happiness. It's kind of baked in our DNA as a country, right? I mean, you, you look at our Declaration of Independence, and what is it? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? What? Happiness, right? And, and so that's, that's the pursuit. That's what people really want. And yet as you look around, you see people who aren't really that happy. And here's the thing. I mean, happiness is, is great. But I want you to know this morning that God wants something more for you. He wants you to have something that's deeper. Than happiness. And and not just deeper, but but more durable. You know, something something that you can hold on to. Something that's not going to slip through your fingers. And and, and what I'm talking about is is joy. God wants us to have joy, but but the question is, you know, what's what's the difference? What's the difference between happiness... And joy, and so if you're taking notes with me this morning, as far as happiness is concerned, happiness deals with the external, right? It's it's what happens on the outside of you. In other words, I'm happy when things are going my way, like the unexpected discount, the upgrade, you know, those mornings where you're driving to work and it's all green lights, and you turn on the radio and your favorite song has to, you know, happens to be playing. But here's the deal. With all of those things, you know, you, you really can't do anything about those things. They, they just kind of happen. And so we're just kind of at the mercy of those things. And, and so really, to, to kind of boil it down, we talk about happiness... Um, what we're talking about is, is the external circumstances, and, and I'm happy, right? When, when things are good, then, then I'm good. When my, when my circumstances are great, I'm, I'm great. But man, when things are bad, then, then I'm bad. That, that's kind of the way happiness works. It's kind of like a boat out in the ocean. When the waves go up, the boat goes up. When the waves come down, the boat go, comes down. And that's, the kind of, that's kind of the way life is as far as happiness is concerned. Life is good, you know, when everything's good in my life. But when things are bad, then, you know, everything's just kind of falling apart in my life. And and that's not only bad for us, but it's bad for the people that we live with as well. Again, the problem is that all these circumstantial events, most of the time they're outside of our control. See, you and I, we, we can't always control the, the outcome. We can have an influence on the outcome, but we can't always control the outcome. And so our happiness is at the mercy of something we can't always control. Does that, does that make sense to everyone? Please shake your head yes if, if, you, if you totally get that. And so that's really no way for us to live. And and so let let me now tell you about joy, okay? Joy, if you're taking notes, is not external, but it is internal, right? Joy has nothing to do with our outward circumstances, but rather it has everything to do with our Internal, the the condition of our heart. You you remember when, when we were little, like in vacation Bible school, we would sing, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my, where was it found? Down in my heart. Happiness deals with the external, joy deals with the internal. Joy deals with what's going on in our heart. So what that means is that we can experience joy even on the worst of days. We can experience joy even through the toughest of circumstances. Case in point, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever seen two people going through similar circumstances and yet both of these people responded to those circumstances entirely different? You know, maybe you have two people who both are dealing with cancer. Or you have two people who are are both dealing with the loss of a job. Or or two people who are both going through a divorce. Or or you have two people um, who are, are dealing with a miscarriage. And one person responds with anger and bitterness and rage. But then you have this other person who deals with those circumstances entirely different. They just have this joy about them, and, and they're, they're still kind and, and loving. And... Same set of external circumstances, different internal conditions. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. He says, therefore we do not lose heart, though, why church? Outwardly, we're wasting away. We're talking about those outward circumstances. And he's talking about how bad those things can be, right? Outwardly, we're wasting away. He says, yet, what church? Inwardly. There we go. We are being renewed day by day. He's talking about joy. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that, what church? Far outweighs them all. In other words, what Paul says is our joy outweighs our happiness. Because happiness is based off circumstances. In fact, the root word for happy in the Latin is luck. In, in other words, our, our happiness is just kind of a roll of the dice, right? You know, it, it's all these things that oftentimes we, we just can't control. And so happiness is more about chance, but joy is more about choice. It's a decision that we make more than a feeling that we have. Joy is a constant decision not to let the things that we can't control control us. And that's huge. And that's the difference between happiness and joy. God wants us to be happy... But God also wants us to go a layer deeper than happiness, and that is to joy so that we can really navigate the challenges of this life because joy is durable. Joy is something we can hold on to. Joy lasts. Let me ask you a question this morning. What does the world need more than anything else? Today, and and I just want you to I, I just want you to think about 2023. I mean, you think about all these things that people have gone through, and and even a lot of the stuff that's going on in, in our country. You know, the the economic uh, downturn right now, and and you know all the political division, and and you know. You hear all this stuff and seeing the headlines about balloons coming from China, you know, into the United States and rumors of war. And and again, all these things, right, that that pile on us. What does a world need more than anything else in times like this? And I think here's what we're going to see in the book of Philippians. The world needs more than anything else is a in a dark and despairing world is a joyful church. Let me tell you something, guys. You and I, and and I'm not trying to downplay any of the circumstances you've been through or, or that you're going through right now, but let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, I mean, you've got more to be joyful about than anybody in this world. I mean, God... Right? The, the creator of the universe. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He loves you. And I know so often times that, that really doesn't hit us. It, it doesn't really affect us emotionally because we hear it so much. Especially those of us who grew up going to church. But think about man, That's, that's a profound statement. The God of the universe, he loves you. And, and he doesn't just tell you that. He loves you so much, he demonstrated it by sending his son Jesus to down a cross. And so now, as we read a couple of weeks ago, Jesus, from the book of John, 1 John, Jesus is our mediator. And what that means is Jesus is our go-between, between us and God. You see, God in His justice and His righteousness, He looks at us and He says, they've sinned. And Jesus stands at our side and He says, yes, they have. But He says, I've already paid for it. I paid the price. I died for them on the cross. I shed my blood as we celebrated just a few moments ago as we took the Lord's Supper so that now you and I, as as God looks at our sin, He sees Jesus' righteousness. Man, that's where a whoop-whoop or a praise God or something goes in right there. You know what I'm talking about? We have got so much cause to be joy filled. And this is what our world needs to see in us so that they can see Jesus. And really, I think that's what the book of Philippians is all about. The book of Philippians is really Paul's most joyful letter, which is so ironic, right? Because of where he wrote it from. Most of you already know this, but Paul wrote this from a prison cell in Rome. He didn't ride it on some beach in Hawaii drinking on a strawberry daiquiri. Now, if you want to know what his prison looked like, Julie and I, we got to visit Rome uh, this year, and this, is, this was Paul and Peter's prison cell. It's lovely, isn't it? Actually, it's pretty terrible. Very emotional just being able to go, go down there and, and see where he was. And here's the deal. He was in prison for preaching about Jesus. And and during that time, he's waiting trial in in which they wanted to kill him. And yet it's through all of that that he writes the most joyful letter in the entire Bible. And, And let me tell you a little bit about who he's writing to. I mean, you... You look at the church at Philippi. Philippi was located on a major highway. It was called the the, uh, Via Ignatia. It was this trading route between Europe and Asia. And and so what you have to understand about this city is it was a melting pot of cultures and and perspectives. Um, There was a lot of uh, racial strife during that time as well, and economic oppression, spiritual confusion. Sound familiar? And yet it was there, right? Right in Philippi, that Paul plants this church. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. And then Paul did next what he always would do. He would go on and plant another church somewhere else. But the church at Philippi kept up with Paul. And when they find out that he's in prison, they write him a letter and they send him some gifts. And so Paul writes a letter back and he thanks them for the gifts, but he he writes them to encourage them to pursue joy. In the very hostile, divided, and fearful culture that they were living in. And man, I, I think that this letter can be encouraging, just as encouraging to us today. But that's the dominant theme of this book. It's it's joy and In four chapters, no less than 16 times, Paul says joy. He talks about joy and rejoicing and and gladness. And what Paul is doing is he is trying to help them and us cultivate joy. And that's kind of how I want you to to look at this. As Christians, if we're going to have joy, we've, we've got to start cultivating it in our lives. Joy is not one of those things where you can just wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I think I'm just going to have joy today. We've got to cultivate it. We, we've got to work on it and, and we've got to cultivate it today if we want to have it tomorrow. And some of you may be thinking, well, well, how do we cultivate joy? Well, Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians and he mentions three things which we're going to look at very quickly today. First of all, if we're going to cultivate joy, we've got to try and look at every problem from God's perspective. We've got to try and look at every problem that comes our way from God's point of view. And so what that means is we've got to stop and we've got to ask ourselves, what lens am I looking at this problem through? And understand this, before I go any further, I mean, this is so important to understand. All of us are going to have problems. You guys get that, right? I think, I think oftentimes we're, we're tempted to forget that. It's like, why me? Why only me? It's not only you. All of us do. At some point, we all go through something. We all experience pain. We all have unfortunate circumstances as part of life. But what perspective am I choosing to look at those problems through? Let's look at Paul's perspective. Here's our text for today, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he says, and I want you to know, my brother, dear brothers and sisters, that what church? Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Isn't that awesome? I mean, here Paul, he's, he's been put into prison and, and he's waiting for trial where, you know, he's, he's probably going to be executed, but he, he, he has this perspective of, you know what, everything that has happened to me here is, is good because it has helped advance the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And let me tell you something, this wasn't the only thing. I mean, if, if, if that's all Paul had been through, I think we would all say that would be enough. But this wasn't the only stuff that Paul had been through. Like if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 24, it's insane. All that he went through, like he was beaten, he was um, also stoned, he was shipwrecked. Um, he, he talks about the dangers that he went through uh, by the Jews and the, the Gentiles. He talked about the sleepless nights and how there were times where he was hungry and he was thirsty and he was cold and he was naked. And then, you know, um, on top of all that, he had the weight of all these churches that he had planted and just, you know, the, the thought of, of how they're doing now that he's gone. I mean, he's just... He's been through so much. And yet Paul's perspective was, everything that's that's happened to me has been a good thing from the standpoint is it, it's helped advance the message of Jesus. In other words, Paul, he's, he's changing his perspective. And in our own life, when we're facing an issue in a problem where, man, we want to get angry or we want to get anxious, we need to change our perspective to God's perspective. Just keep reading verse 13 of our text. He says, For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most believers have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. You know, Paul, he he could have felt terribly sorry for himself, right? I I know I probably would have. I would have probably been in that prison cell, I mean, singing, Oh, woe is me, right? It it would have been all about me, but, but not Paul. He didn't get angry. He didn't lawyer up. And say, I'm going to sue the Roman government for the way they've treated me. No. Paul says, because of what I'm going through, most of the believers here know why I'm in chains. And it has actually made them bolder in sharing the message of Jesus. And then he talks about being chained to a prison guard. And he was chained 24-7. And and most of us, we would kind of look at that as, as, you know, basically an an invasion of privacy. But as far as Paul was concerned, he was like, man, this is a captive audience around the clock where I can talk to people about Jesus. And he did. And because of that, he goes on to say in chapter 4, he says, members of Caesar's own household. Think about that ended up giving their lives to Christ. In other words, Paul was influential even though he was in prison. Why? Because he saw his circumstances from God's perspective. What about us? How do we see things? Especially when we're we're going through hard times. We need to change our perspective. And some of you may say, well, well, Slate, how do I do that? Well, a change in perspective is all about moving from one question to another. So oftentimes, like I said just a few minutes ago, we go through hard times. We ask the question, why, right? Why me? Why now? Why is this happening? And God, why haven't you intervened? I mean, I've been, I've been praying about this. Why? Why is, why is all this going down? And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with those questions. We're all human, and I think that's the first place we want to go. That's the first question we want to ask is why, but we don't want to stay there. We want to shift gears and we want to move from why to what to where we pray, God, what do you you want me to see in all this? God, what do you want me to do in this moment? What are you trying to teach me? What are your plans in this? What is your purpose? Or, Or what about this? What if we prayed, God, what is your perspective? Because I want to know it. That's why I encourage you guys to study your Bible. I know so oftentimes people say, oh, I've got to read my Bible. Because in our minds, oftentimes we're tempted to think, well, I've got to read this so I can get myself into heaven. No, 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 no. And I know that mindset because I've been there. Read God's Word so that you can know His perspective. Listen, as we go out into the world, most of what we're going to get is the culture's perspective. The culture's point of view. And if we are never looking at God's perspective, God's point of view, then we won't get it. This is his perspective. This is what makes joy possible. Listen, if you wait for your circumstances to be perfect, if you wait for everything to go your way, if you wait for everybody to play nice and like you, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. And so this is what Paul says next. Secondly, we have to change our focus. If we're going to cultivate joy, we've got to change our focus. How many of you, when you look at a picture that you yourself are in, how many of you look at your best features? No, most of the time, for being honest, as we look at a picture of us, we're zeroing in, we're focusing on our worst features, right? We're not looking at anybody else but us. And and, and, and let me ask you this. How many of you, okay, when when you're looking at a picture that you're in with someone else and you're, you know, picking out all your bad features to, to the person that you're with, how many of you have ever had them saying, what are you talking about? I don't even see that. Julie, you know my wife, you know my wife loves to take pictures, and so oftentimes she takes pictures that I'm in, and I will tell her, please do not post that on social media. And she's like, why? And I'm like, honey, look at me. I look terrible in this picture. And you know, and, and maybe you find yourself doing the same thing, my hair, my wrinkles, my weight, whatever. And, and the person you're looking at it with, they're like, but I don't see that. I'm not, I'm not zeroing in on that. And yet we have, a, we have a tendency to focus on the things that we like the least. And what I'm saying to you is in order to cultivate joy, we've got to change our focus. Watch what Paul does here, verse 15. It's true that some are preaching out of white church? jealousy and rivalry, but others are preaching about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. Now, you look at that and it's like, man, what in the world is Paul talking about here? What's going on? Well, he's writing about other preachers who I think were like his colleagues. In in other words, they were were on the same team, right? They were serving the Lord, but they had become jealous of Paul. And, And you have to understand, during that day and time, man, Paul was the guy. I mean, he was the goat of church plants. He was going everywhere, planting congregations. He was changing the world. And all these people were looking to him, and apparently there were these preachers who were becoming very jealous of him. Now later on Paul is going to talk about some false teachers, but I don't think that was these guys. But what happens is these guys they find out that Paul is in prison and they're trying to tear him down so they can build themselves up. They're spreading rumors about him and 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 they're doing everything they can To discredit him. How many of you have had people who have said things about you that were untrue? Yeah, me too. I I think we've all been there, done that. People have done that to me personally. And and the interesting thing is, people are usually coming up to me, telling me what other people, you know, have said about me or my family or the church here at, at Central. And so oftentimes I just want to yell and I want to go, that's not true. Those are just lies. Why, why would anybody want to do that? And it just weighs me down. But look at Paul's response. He says, okay. In fact, verse 18, he says, doesn't matter. Whether their motives are or false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I, what church? I rejoice. Paul's like, as long as they get the the gospel message right, as long as they're lifting up the name of Jesus, even even though they're trashing me, even, even though they're saying bad things about me, I am fine with that because the gospel is being advanced. And because of that, he says, I rejoice. Change your focus. In order to do that, you have to look for things that are blessings. Paul talked about that in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. He says, be thankful when everything's going your way. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And so, we don't always get to choose what we go through at times, but we do get to choose what we focus on, right? And that's huge in cultivating joy. And then, lastly, I know we're out of time, so I'll make this one short. In order to cultivate joy, we need to source our joy in something that can supply. Look at what Paul says now in our text, verse 18. He says, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me, the spirit of who? The spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. He is our source of joy. This will lead to my deliverance. Now, when you get down to verse 21, this is what Paul says, and and really I think this is the theme of the entire book. He says, for me to live is what, church? is Christ. That's awesome. This is where we all need to get to. I mean, think about this. Can you imagine being Paul's adversary? Can you imagine trying to deal with someone like Paul? It would be so frustrating if you were his enemy. Paul, we're going to throw you in jail. Great, I'll convert the guards. Paul, we're going to torture you. I don't count the suffering of this present world to be worth comparing with the future glory. Well, then, Paul, we're going to kill you. Great to die is gain. Well, then, we're going to let you live. Well, that's fine too, because to live is Christ. They couldn't win, right? Paul's like, I have something so profound, something so deep, something so durable in Christ that it can never be taken away from me. Listen, the way we continue to fill our joy tank is magnifying Christ over our problems. How many of you have ever been going through something difficult and, and then you came to worship and after worship and praising God is like, man, I just feel so much better. Here's the deal. As God gets bigger, as we glorify Him, our problems just get smaller. Understand some of the most joyful people in the Bible had horrible things happen to them. And yet they continue to glorify and worship and live for God. Why? Because our circumstances, and I'll close with this, our circumstances may not always be praiseworthy, but He is. And so we stay focused on Him. Right? We we look to Him because it's in Christ, that we have joy. Right, going back to that song we just sang a few minutes ago, Because He Lives. And Bill Gaither and his wife, they wrote that song during a time where, man, the world was just absolutely upside down, kind of like it is right now. And, and they, were even, they were even struggling at the thought of bringing a baby into this world. But then they were reminded. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, that child that we bring into the world will face a future with certainty because of Jesus. There may be someone here this morning who needs Jesus. And I don't know what you're going through right now, and I'm not trying to downplay that. I don't understand it I can't tell you why, but I'll pray for you and lift you up before God. There, there may be someone here today who just who needs to put on Christ in baptism and, and have all your sins completely washed away. And what that means is you're free of guilt, you're free of shame. You're free of the very thing that separates you from a relationship with God. All of that's washed away in the blood of Jesus. And if you need to make that commitment today to give your life to Jesus, having your sins washed away, we can do that today as well. But whatever the case may be, if you need to respond for any reason, won't you come? Together we stand and sing.